to lower risks, you have to take risks. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Realty Talks with Tai podcast show. I am your host, Tai. That's T I Y E. I am so very, very, very thankful on today because I took a moment to reflect as I usually do towards the end of the week as delayed gratification type of thing for all of the stuff that I did, didn't do, and or learned from that week, right? But instead, I did it early. I cheated. I did it before Friday. So today is Friday. I did this last night. And what I found is something that I want to share real quick with you guys before we jump right in to the information that I then want to empower you with. Okay, so before we get to that, the first thing I want to share is something that I heard from Robert Kiyosaki. I absolutely personally and professionally love a lot of the advice um, that he gives. I do have my own perspective and opinions, as I'm sure many other people do on other financial gurus, but a lot of his stuff is pretty solid. And one of the solid things that he said that I 110% agree with and absolutely love and live by that I was reminded of in some old notes I was rummaging through as I first started out in my real estate and business entrepreneurial endeavors. And that was this very big paradigm shift of good versus bad, of Newton's law between good and evil, between every action having an equal and opposite reaction, right? And what he said was this. He said that his rich dad taught him that to be a good detective, one also has to be a good crook. To lower risks, you also have to take risks. To be rich, you have to know what it's like to be poor. To know what a good investment is, you have to also know what a bad one is. And that is why people say investing is risky. It's because truly, they don't know, right? Their lack of financial intelligence, of investing in themselves. Like, isn't this value just insane. If you just take a moment to rewind it, listen to it again and apply it in regards to how you actually live and operate. It was something I literally spent an hour and 13 minutes. Yes, I timed myself because I do that to manage my time. I spent an hour and 13 minutes reflecting on this concept and had a lot to say to myself, a lot of reality checks to give myself, and a lot of perspective that really I was so happy to reignite. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys as I like to share information that I feel will be impactful as you guys proceed in your endeavors, whether they be in real estate or beyond. So today's show we're going to get right into is going to be in regards to how to have your seller finance your deals. Okay, it's always going to come down to real estate financing. And specifically today, we're going to talk about seller financing homes. In this environment of COVID-19 and all of the destruction financially, mentally, physically it's even doing to a lot of people, 
you know, it's just devastating and it's devastating what it's doing to the finances. So I want to tell you guys and talk to you guys about how you can actually still be doing deals despite economic uh, conditions beyond your control that may paralyze you into thinking that you cannot move forward in your investing endeavors, or maybe you just don't know how. Well, today, that excuse by the end of this episode, you will no longer have because I am going to empower you with the education, even if it's from a basic understanding grounds about how you can still get invested. There are some key takeaways that I want you guys to have, and that's number one, in real estate financing, this concept of seller financing may seem confusing and maybe even alien, right, foreign, but it's power as an investment strategy in the real estate industry is absolutely hands down indisputable. That's number one, right? There's so much more I can tell you. But number two, this is a concept of seller financing, meaning that allows you to actually cut out banks if they won't give you a mortgage. That means if you're not financeable for whatever reason, you actually don't need a bank. Okay, number three takeaway I want you guys to leave this episode with is that understanding about the buyer and the seller entering into a purchase contract and agreeing upon the terms of a subsequent promissory note. Now, what does that mean? We'll talk about it, even if it's just scratching the surface. But basically, this whole concept and strategy of seller financing bridges that gap and provides the opportunity for you to enter into an agreement to purchase a property from a seller and then agree upon in a separate agreement with that same seller how you're going to pay for it. It's a conversation, right? It's not a guideline and checkbook type of thing if you're going to a bank for conventional financing. So that's awesome. And then lastly, I want you guys to get the bigger picture in regards to taking away information from this episode about seller financing actually being a super solid option when compared to traditional mortgage agreements, especially especially for those that are in um, some type of financial buying or credit challenge situation where your immediate access to large sums of cash is limited. Okay, so with that said, I want to jump right in again into the actual information that I'm going to share with you guys when it comes to real estate financing for buying or selling your homes. Right. Most transactions will generally follow a well-known traditional process that may be, let's face it, antiquated or old, outdated, slow. Right. Traditionally, like the seller finds a willing buyer who can either pay cash or qualify for a mortgage. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? But what if these like traditional um, financing options aren't actually available, such as right now with the limitations being imposed on the lending um, industry because of the COVID effects? Or what if your bank account just doesn't boast of a big balance? Yikes kind of scary, right? Like, what are you going to do? Well, in most cases, and to most people even, this would actually mean that the deal collapses, right? And your dreams of home ownership or even investing in real estate are dead just that quick. But what if the seller and the buyer are still actually willing to proceed with this deal 
or any deal that you're, you've entered into, despite all of these hindrances, despite all of these barriers to your entry into real estate or ownership, despite all of these delays and setbacks caused from financing contingencies. Now, this right here, okay, I need you guys to get because it's where the concept of seller financing actually comes in handy. So, you may be sitting here thinking like, oh man, I'm super lost or oh, I still don't get it. Like what is seller financing, right? Well, in real estate financing, seller financing is also known as what's called owner financing. It's the synonym. It's the sister, okay? It's a type of real estate financing option where the seller is basically extending credit to the buyer. Now, although the seller doesn't actually give the buyer cash in hand, just like a bank doesn't give the buyer cash in hand when they're taking out a mortgage, in this particular strategy of seller financing, the seller actually takes the role of the bank by giving the buyer the option of purchasing the home that that seller currently owns on credit. As long as the buyer pays the down payment, which in some certain circumstances, depending on the flexibility of the seller and the sophistication of the investor or the buyer, may not require a down payment. But in a general sense of seller financing, the seller is looking for the buyer to pay a down payment and agrees then, right, the seller meaning, to pay that remaining balance, uh, excuse me, the buyer agrees then to pay that remaining balance in installments for a specific period of time. So what does that mean in, in layman's terms, right? What that means is that I am the seller of 1223 Main Street, okay? You, listening to this, wanna purchase my property, but you don't have any money. And for me, I hear the story that you give me, I listen to you, I like you as a person, I trust that you're gonna do what you say you're going to do in regards to repaying me. And I say, you know what? I like you. And more than liking you, I wanna do business with you. And more than doing business with you, I actually wanna give you a courtesy push in the right direction so we can make this mutually beneficial. I'm going to allow you to buy this house, but instead of paying the bank money that you would borrow that from them, I'm going to become your bank. I'm going to allow you to purchase my property with, you know, the understanding that you're going to pay me back, but you're not going to have to go to a bank or anyone else or even use your own cash or credit to buy this house. Now, that may sound too good to be true, but in the actual essence of seller financing, that's actually the model. The seller has a property they really want to sell and motivated to do so. The buyer has this goal, dream, and endeavor to start their real estate business or even buy a, per, a purchase a property for their family, but doesn't have all of the resources to do so. They are open and honest with the seller in regards to maybe a little bit or all of that harsh reality they're up against. And the seller feels motivated enough to say, hey, listen, this can still be possible. And I'm going to become your bank and finance your purchase and you're just going to have to agree to pay me back. Now, if you don't pay me back, that's a whole nother situation, right? But under the terms and conditions then that both parties, me as seller, you as the buyer, 
both parties agree to, we sign what's called a promissory note, or AKA it's also sometimes known as just a note. The buyer, you, and the seller, me, use that document, this promissory note we've created, to actually finalize our verbal agreement on the terms of the loan, and then we go and take this document down to record it with a deed of trust or a mortgage, depending on you know the appropriate authority in the state that you live in. It, it'll be called either a deed of trust or a mortgage um, in your state. And um, then once we record that document, you are then expected as buyer to pay me back as seller the loan typically with interest. Again, depending on you how you structure it, you may not need a down payment. And hey, let's face it, you may not even have to pay interest if you get sophisticated enough. But for the sake of this example, from the bare bones understanding, I, I want to sell a house, you want to buy the house. I become your bank to allow you to buy my house. And every month, instead of you paying back a bank or lender, you're going to just pay me. As long as you pay, you can stay owning it, we don't have an issue. If you stop paying it, just like if you stopped paying your mortgage, oh, we then have an issue. But the terms of our agreement is basically finalized in that document called a promissory note, which is just a big fat IOU letter, basically between people. And then we record that with a deed of trust or the mortgage, depending on your state, in the county that the property is located in. Okay, and then once we do that, the next immediate month, you're starting to repay me on that loan, plus or minus interest, and I'm collecting and expecting to collect those payments in full on time every month. And that's it. Now, you can do what you want to do because you do actually, factually, legally own that property. Okay, it's not something where, you know, you um, like a lease option where you're you're leasing it with the future option of purchasing it. No, with seller financing, once you record those documents and deeds included, you are the proud new owner of either that home and or that investment. Okay, now, while this concept of seller financing isn't widely used, it does offer a great opportunity for sellers or buyers who want to actually sell their property or who want to purchase property without necessarily like uh, relying on a bank or a bank account with a big balance, right? Just a lot of us more than often than not are not born into wealth, are not born into bank accounts that have a lot of money and we have access to those funds. That's just not the inherited truth, right? So this can be a very, very advantageous and excellent strategy to continue growing or even starting your portfolio of investments, specifically properties. If you have bad debt, if you have student loans, if you have low cash, if you have no job, that one's a little more tricky, but you know, it's possible. Um, if you have other outstanding debts with other creditors, then, you know, all the way up to maybe if you've even hit the maximum limit that your bank um, is willing to even loan you any more money out, right? So it used to be where you can get 10 mortgages in your personal name, then it went down to six, and some banks then went to four. 
right? If you've hit those thresholds and you're no longer able to be financeable from conventional lending, then you can exploit legally this loophole by using seller financing to still acquire properties. And that is just mind blowing. Just the endless possibilities that should be going off with bells and whistles in your brain cells right now, okay? As you think about if I did not have an issue with financing, right, to be able to purchase property, how much property would I purchase? Now, now, I know, that's a trick question because of course your answer would probably be, for the most of you listening to this, there is no limit, right? I have no ceiling. Well, that is how you should enter into the mindset and the space of beginning to build your portfolio, not with the limitations that have been given to you, not with the limitations of thought that you have adopted for your own mental conditioning because of your upbringing, not with the limitations that other people have prescribed for you based upon your credit profile and your financial handicaps. No, those no longer exist as your barriers into into this industry, especially when there's creative real estate financing options such as seller financing of homes that are available to you and anyone. Really anyone without the limitation of age depending on the state you're in but I would just err on the side of caution by saying at least if you're 18 years or older then you do not have these limitations nor do you have the confinement of your age being an additional barrier to your entry but again depending on specific circumstances and states then hey age may also not be a limit i know personally some people cough cough some personal people who own properties and they are children like if you want to find out how that's possible for your children or any other children you know send me a message like share subscribe to this channel leave your comments below in the message field and i personally respond to all of them because i want you guys to have this information and not have excuses okay so we're gonna go ahead and just discard these excuses okay like do you want to know more of this i think you do i really think you do i'm gonna ask that because it's gonna be a rhetorical question so when you don't have all of these things like i said the point being you no longer have an excuse of not to own property is it going to be a little bit harder yes is it going to possibly take a little longer yes are there other hoops that you're going to have to jump through yes are there cons meaning negative things or bad things or potential risks to this yes as in any other investment vehicle nothing is 100 percent safe secured or guaranteed so yes all of those things are possible and yes all of those things exist but still stop creating reasons to not do it put that fear factor behind you like this is just hands down an option that should have very little to no excuse of why you cannot use it okay now it does also allow you to start buying property or investing in real estate now like tomorrow after you learn this to instantly implement right versus having to wait to build up or restore your credit or even to build up or or restore your cash reserves because you're having money challenges that are serving that you're allowing i should say to serve as barriers into your entry for home ownership or investing 
right? So you're like, okay, I get it. I'm sold. I like this. I like what I'm hearing. It makes sense so far. Now, the next natural question you might have is like, okay, so Tai, how do I actually take advantage of seller financing to buy or sell real estate? Well, when it comes to using seller financing as an option, like the most important thing is to actually find out up front whether or not the seller can even realistically support this type of real estate financing and this type of transaction structure. So, because generally seller financing will actually be a good option if the seller has equity in the house and if he or she owns the property free and clear of any mortgage. In addition to those scenarios, it can also be a great option if the buyer can actually offer a down payment that can fully cover what the seller owes on his or her existing mortgage, right? So say that there's a small balance on the mortgage of maybe, I don't know, under $50,000 or even better yet, under, let's just say $10,000. And they, the seller meaning, needs to pay that off and still pocket something in order to feel like it's worth their time and interest beneficially to do this, right? then you just want to be able to write into that promissory note or agreement that you will pay them a down payment. Let's say if the balance owed on the mortgage is $27,000 for a $150,000 property, then your down payment is $30,000. That will allow the seller to, at closing, pay off the $27,000 as the mortgage outstanding balance payoff and then to pocket three grand, usually to move or to do something else, and then to still collect monthly interest income from the payments that you will be paying back to that seller. Okay, so that is an amazing opportunity to not only finance the purchase or sale of properties in this specific example, talking about purchasing properties with the strategy. So that's number one, purchasing it with little to no cash outlay up front. The second benefit is that you are working directly usually with the seller, meaning an individual versus an institution, which can be a lot easier to deal with and a lot easier and more comfortable to navigate. Now, the third benefit is that you are actually buying that piece of property, owning it at the time of closing with equity at the time of purchase. Like those are just the first three benefits in addition to a slew of others that this this opportunity, this strategy can afford you. Now, as a buyer, though, in this scenario of using seller financing, you can actually start communicating with the seller about adopting this seller financing option if you've established that this person meets that kind of one of those general criteria that I just mentioned. Again, number one, just to recap, was that you ask some strategic um, fact-finding questions to the seller to see if they can even realistically support this type of transaction, this type of financing structure, right? Those questions can be like, what do you plan to use the proceeds from the sale to do? do? Or do you have a plan for the proceeds, right? Other examples of questions may be not as direct and they can be so, you know, in regards to the more, do you have any liens or encumbrances against this property? right? And they say no, right? That should be a light bulb moment because then your next follow-up question is if you have no mortgages, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, um, do you have any other debts on the property that you're aware of? Like any, 
any lines of credit, any judgments, lawsuits, any even down to utility bills or back taxes owed on the property that you're aware of, right? You're asking these additional questions to find out additional information and facts about all of the economics in regards to the personal um, debt secured potentially by this property. If the house is free and clear, that's a great box to check of being able to offer this strategy. If the seller says, yeah, you know, I actually don't have a plan for the proceeds per se. I mean, yeah, I got to use it to live off of or to even uh, maybe not live off of, but yes, I plan to use it to put it in a bank account and let it sit there for maybe six to 12 months, right? And in your mind, you're like, wow, they're willing to accept like almost basically a negative return by just socking that cash away into a bank account when they could be earning double digits by allowing me to pay them interest on that money instead by financing my purchase and I can be paying them anywhere from like eight to ten percent right instead of them getting zero to three in a bank account like right that is the strategic advantage that seller financing option should promote. So again, free and clear properties, inherited properties, properties with small first mortgage balances, properties that only have one debt secured to them of a balance of usually less than the double um, value of that property. Right. So if, for example, if it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar property and the debt on it is less than half, meaning you're you're having 50 percent of equity at the time of purchase, then you're paying for that property, writing a contract up with the seller and securing your terms with a promissory note, like I talked about earlier, for less than seventy five thousand dollars. That's still a great deal. Now, yes. If you want to put or have to put a down payment, then that presents another situation where you may need to seek private lending or funding or credit cards or whatever hacks and other available access to resources you may have in order to see if that deal is still feasible. And if, you know, for some reason you can't come up with the cash, then that's just not a good property to be able to use this strategy on. And that's fine. You just go to the next one, right? So it's definitely, like I said, important that you communicate with the seller about adopting this strategy very early on by asking strategic questions to find out facts about their intentions, about their holdings, um, about their debts owed on this property, and even about their plans for the proceeds. Because a lot of sellers, honestly, may not be familiar even with this option. A lot of sellers we talk to every single day are completely foreign to this concept of seller financing, right? And they're, they're just not aware of the option, but it certainly won't hurt if they're willing to look into it and even consider it, right? Because the good thing with seller financing is that actually both parties, buyer and seller alike, can get as creative as you really like with the terms of the agreement. You can both agree essentially on what is beneficial to both parties in terms of like negotiating the down payment, the monthly payments, and even the interest rate. Right. We have seller finance properties with as low as 2.5 percent interest rate that's fixed um, for the duration of the loan. Like that is just crazy, crazy, crazy. Right. That's better almost even than a VA loan. Right. That is just ridiculous return and opportunity that that provides for that cheap of access to capital. Now, to this end, though, it is important to note that your poor credit score, if you have one, or limited cash reserves 
like I said, should start making sense why it shouldn't hinder you from purchasing your dream home or your next or first investment. If your current financial situation, though, isn't so good and you can't meet the bank's requirements for an actual mortgage, right, based on your current credit score being less than maybe 640 and you have maybe one, two, three or more derogatory uh, marks on your credit, like maybe student loan debts, you might have income um, that's not supportive of a mortgage even to qualify you, or your bank account has less than maybe $10,000 of quote unquote seasoned funds that the banks will require to be held in your bank account for at least 60 days usually, then seller financing, even despite all of that stuff, that baggage, right, of bad debt, then like this still is not going to deter you from being able to own properties. That stuff doesn't really matter, right? Because I've never had a seller ask me to see my tax returns. I've never asked a, had a seller ask to see my credit report, right? It just has not happened. It may have happened to other people, but that has not been our experience in-house for doing these types of deals. So for the seller, this option actually opens more doors of opportunities for a lot of potential buyers to be very interested, more interested in purchasing their property if they offer seller financing because it's reducing or sometimes even completely eliminating those otherwise barriers to entry so that they, the seller, can actually sell their property a lot faster right? Um, you can also, as a buyer, buy properties a lot easier, or you can get started investing in real estate a lot faster and easier as an investor or entrepreneur if you're using this strategy. I get so, so excited about this stuff, right, you guys, because it provides, like I said, an untapped, uncapped, limitless, okay, potential for exponential growth, for building generational wealth, for building up your passive income portfolio of properties through rental real estate by purchasing properties that you never use debt to have to secure, even though you have debt, you have to service monthly, right? You didn't have to use cash to purchase the property out of your own pocket, but you still do have a bill to pay. This is not getting a free ride. There's no such thing as a quote unquote free lunch, okay? But in essence, seller financing is a great concept and creative financing strategy for real estate that has a lot of benefits for buyers, for sellers, for investors, um, that may be just looking for an alternative option to traditional real estate financing. So before we end, I just know that I learn best from like case studies, examples, real life scenarios of where this is actually or how this is actually applicable in like real life, right? For real people that want to get ready and get started with using this. So most recently we had a seller that was in pre-foreclosure. They had an auction date that was actually set for, I believe it was like about two and a half weeks away from the current date, okay? So they basically had a situation where a financial hardship happened in their family, where the husband lost their job and the wife was working a job, but it was only part-time. She was working for Amazon and she did some kind of babysitting on the side 
And in that particular instance um, is where, you know, a lot of people have this scenario, right? The husband worked for Uber and he also had another job at a tech company that was a phenomenal company, but he had a limited paying position. He was kind of on the lower end of the totem pole. He got laid off, so that killed off at least 50% of their household income. And again, the, the, the wife was working part-time, making less than three grand a month. And they lived in a property where their mortgage was almost at three grand alone. They have children, they were married, and they were in a very nice area, right? So they had this syndrome a little bit of needing to have that extra pressure of keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, right? So their situation was pre-foreclosure. We were marketing two pre-foreclosures in order to offer mortgage assistance. And those sellers that responded were responding to a letter from direct mail that we sent to them in the, in the mail. Okay, they had got the letter a week before and they said that they just hung on to it because they they really liked it and it was different from the, all of the other communications they were receiving. And long story short, it was that on that property specifically, they had a unpaid principal balance, meaning the amount due on that property was three hundred and twelve thousand dollars, roughly. Okay, three twelve. The property was worth 479, 479,000. Okay. Now, all of these folks needed to do after they realized they had to sell because they had no other alternative at this point was that they needed to comfortably relocate. And a few extra dollars over that relocation in their pocket wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be something that they would be opposed to receiving, right? They, they were strapped for cash, so any cash that they could receive would be a positive, a benefit, okay? So what we did is that we offered to pay for their relocation. We offered to find them housing. We also offered to give them a surplus, meaning an overage of $3,000 in their pocket cash at closing, okay? There were some additional terms, like they had to move out, but they needed upfront cash, but were not willing to just sell the property without kind of retaining this vested interest in it. They somehow just had this really strong emotional attachment. They understood they had to leave, but their only alternative was to borrow money against their retirement account, which they knew borrowing that much money, they would not be in a position to be able to pay back. So we presented then to them because of this excess of $100,000 of equity that they had in the property, it was enough to be able to present this option of seller financing. Now, we did, like I say, offer to pay them a down payment, which would allow them to relocate, but also have a few thousand dollars left over to spend or to their name type of thing, right? Um, so our ultimate down payment ended up being a little less, a little less, all in, than $7,000, right? To basically get over $100,000 of equity at the time we closed. Insane, right? Now, with that down payment, we secured the contract with a deposit for $2,000, okay? We put $2,000 down in earnest money. And then we made it a term that they had to be moved out of the property, successfully relocated before they would get their three grand. Okay, that was our kind of carrot that would motivate and, 
and you know help them with a little bit of gently applied pressure to actually relocate in a time that was given in the agreement that we signed okay now after we did that right they did retain an interest in the property by allowing us to educate them on the option of seller financing the purchase so they can still then replace the husband's income and supplement it with interest income meaning they would still be getting a check because we would have gotten a loan and used leverage to purchase the property anyway so we said listen you need an income every month to replace the one you just lost we need financing for the purchase of the property anyways how about we meet in the middle right and give both of us the best of both worlds by cutting out the middle man between us and that's the bank instead of us going to a bank to get financing right we can then turn you into a bank into an investor and now as the bank we will borrow money from you to secure the purchase of this property at a purchase price that we mutually agree to the purchase price that that ended up being all in altogether was about three let's see here it was 365 365 okay and again the property was still worth appraised at 479 so we're still a hundred grand over in equity at the time of that purchase right now every single month we did still pay them interest but because we didn't want to take advantage of their lack of financial knowledge about interest rates and how they were we could have very easily offered them two to four percent as if it was a modified loan agreement that they would get from a bank if they were in better standing right instead we doubled it and we said listen in order to increase right the monthly amount you're getting because it is interest-based income we're not we're going to offer you a double digit return which is 10 percent okay you guys following me so we're offering them 10 percent with a three hundred and sixty five thousand dollar purchase price on a property currently worth 479 right so that's awesome that is amazing with a down payment that is only a little under seven thousand dollars and earnest money that secured this agreement of two thousand dollars so you're like well what does that do for them on a monthly basis well it's easy you can calculate how much they would make monthly by taking that number 365 okay and from that 365 that becomes the loan amount okay which means you just secured a hundred percent financing and on top of that secured seller based financing so follow this math real quick 365 was the loan amount the term of that loan okay meaning how long they were going to allow us to borrow that cash for right was 15 years 15 years now in mortgages a lot of the times it's the term is calculated only in terms of months so you would just take 12 months a year times 15 years and that gives you 180 months okay now stay with me guys take 365 again as your loan amount and sale price for that 100% financing then you take 180 as the term of that mortgage okay and then you calculate in that 10 percent interest rate and then you get your payment now that payment 
principal and interest only for them was $3,922 per month and 31 cents, right? They just basically secured an income of $39.22 and 31 cents, okay? Now, I mentioned earlier that they owed their bank $312,000 as the payoff. So you might be thinking, well, wait a second, I thought you had to pay off the bank. Well, you do. You do have to pay off the bank. So they are not essentially, just like if I refinanced um, you know, the property that I owned for that, the bank, the past bank still has to get paid off, okay? But because they're seller financing out of the equity in their property, they are basically still being the new bank coming in to buy out the old one, essentially. So now they are making more there. And I mentioned to you guys earlier, their payment to their original bank, okay, was almost $3,000. So they're looking at it like they just came up a whole nother thousand dollars, replaced an income, got interest income and still retained an interest to the property, avoided foreclosure, got the relocation paid for, got a little over three grand at closing, okay, um, in order to to just have money to, to live off of essentially for a little bit to cushion their cash reserves. And they got more of a guaranteed return at 10% than they ever got in the last seven years, they said, in the stock market. That, my friends, is the power in a real-life example on a California-based property using 100% financing that was also seller-financed for that purchase, right? Now, this particular property, you may be thinking or wondering, or maybe not, but it rented for $4,500. Now, because we house hacked and it is in a college-based town, we actually, it's a four bedroom, two and a half bathroom, single family home. We rented it out by room. We did not rent out the whole house to one family. Again, that's to mitigate the risk by instead of acquiring more doors, meaning four doors from four condos or maybe two doors with, uh, or I'm sorry, four doors from a fourplex, Instead, we treated each room as its own door and rented out each room to a college student at $1,200 for two of the rooms, which is $2,200. And then we also rented out each of the second, the, the third and fourth bedroom at $1,000. That's $4,200. And then they had pets. Two of the tenants had pets, small dogs, right? But we have them paying a monthly pet deposit in addition to their rent. That was $150 each, which meant that that's another $300 added to monthly income. That, my friends, is how we came up to a $4,500 rental income from four separate tenants in a single family home getting four different incomes. So if one of those uh, um, tenants stops paying rent, we still have three other sources of income from one property without it having to be financed from a bank, without us having to use our own personal credit, without us having to fork out more than about less than $10,000 to close the deal, right? And us at the very least being able to help a family in need. 
So I hope you guys are starting to really realize the amazing opportunity that exists that you guys can do the same type of deals structured the same similar way, however you choose to structure them that works for you and the seller to find a happy medium to be able to do these deals. Okay. It's like, this is crazy, crazy opportunity in regards to just being able to have an alternative to real estate financing other than the conventional routes that were taught and that were showed even from upbringing by our parents, friends, or others that we know in the industry. So to learn more about seller financing, I do want you guys to register for our free webinar. If you go to the link below, you'll be able to click there. And if you want to learn more creative financing strategies, again, more information on this topic of real estate financing using creative financing strategies, go ahead and click the link below to register for that free webinar and get to know the benefits of all of these creative financing strategies and amazing opportunities that they provide in addition to seller financing homes as alternative real estate financing options. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I know I did. I'm super pumped up at just thinking about this deal, recapping it and replaying it from my mind and sharing it with you guys as I did in real time. I am fired up. I'm about to go analyze a couple more deals that are on my desk right now just because I can do that. And I'm going to look at it from a creative lens, not a traditional lens in order to allow myself to participate in more deals with less energy, less money, and less time in between or barriers to the close. So you guys be great. Have a wonderful weekend. Have an excellent, excellent Friday. And I will see you guys tuned in to the next episode. So before checking out, I want you guys to pause, replay this episode to catch or take notes on some more of those kind of key details. Run the numbers for yourself. Let me know in the comments below in the message box what your feedback, questions, comments, or concerns may be with this strategy. I would love to hear your feedback. And I I do read it all personally. So like, share, subscribe to this channel. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Until then, go out and find a deal that you can potentially sell or finance. And if you need help reviewing the deal or acquiring it with terms and conditions included, just to bounce ideas off or for a deal review, feel free to reach out. Contact me using the information in the message box of this description for episode below. Peace.